0: And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, Chapter Ten of the Book of Luke, Saint Luke's Gospel. Bobby, 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 step in my office. Bring my clipboard that's on the desk. There's a clipboard that's got a lantern on front of it. You got it? All right, good. Come back when you get through. We've been talking about uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, how important it is for our light to shine everywhere and every day and all the time, and I trust you, we'll get a little outline, if you don't have one tonight, I'd first touch you last week, be sure to have it, I don't have my own tonight, so uh, I got it on a clipboard so i remind myself, (laughs) it would be then. Thank you, Paul. No, I wanted to picture the lantern, not a picture of you. I stuck it on this lantern on this clipboard so I could keep up with it. I have it folded sometimes, but we're taking this little lantern and using it for illustration uh, to convey who we are, lighting the way to the next generation. And if you've got yours, you can look at it in just a minute after we have prayer. But let's, let's is Paul going again? He disappeared, sound, right? and the sound. I don't see him. Okay, well, let's let's do it. Let's let's. I, don't, I, I can't. I can't get it out. So let's sing this with a lot of mine. Somebody can start that song. Yes. This side over here. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. shine. This side right here. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. There you go, John. I'm gonna let it shine. This is life. I'm gonna let it, let, it let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. All right, now put your hands up like this. Now let's do it all together. This is life. Lord, it says that the the fervency that we ought to have is the wick. The wick on the inside of the lantern is so important. Sometimes it has to be sort of trimmed up a little bit. But uh, the Bible says, not slothful in business, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So that's us. We're supposed to be at our very best and God enabling us we can be. And we talked last week a little bit about the anointing on the left-hand side, the anointed which means the touch of God upon our life, extra touch upon us sometimes in special times. We just need special touch. We need the oil of the power of the Holy Spirit. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, where Samuel anointed King Saul to be the first king of Israel. Later on, David would be anointed several times. And I believe there's an important time in our life when we realize the Holy Spirit is symbolized by oil in the Bible and how important it is to be upon our lives, in our lives. We know He dwells on the inside, but to give us extra strength, extra power, extra ability to do sometimes what we got to do. God knows exactly what we need. We don't always know how to do it. We don't know which direction to go sometimes, but God always knows the way, and we praise the Lord for that. I want to continue talking about the anointing and sort of use the illustration I got to last week about two characters in the Bible, and that's Mary and Martha. And why one was sort of gently rebuked by the Lord Jesus and the other was commended by the Lord Jesus in the same house, in the same place. Both precious ladies, both very important in the work of the Lord, Martha and Mary. And so sort I'll of read the story then we'll have prayer. Chapter 10, verse 38. It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Say the two words. Ready? Say them again. Now, inject your name in there in just a minute, and I'll inject my name. Only count of three, one, two, three. Tommy, James, Tommy. James. I'll try it again. Tommy, Tommy. All right. Tommy, you be the only one to say it. Tommy, Tommy. Four times. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. You definitely just need a little extra reason I said it. Martha, Tommy, Martha. Tommy. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Father, bless, we pray our time in the Word of God. Just talking about this familiar story brings remembrance to a lot of us coming up in church, hearing it preached on, taught on, and illustrated the very thing that Jesus wanted them to know about. And how important it was, both of them were very precious ladies. and we see different accounts in the Bible about them. and I think Martha learned a valuable lesson as I hope all of us are learning a valuable lessons uh, from the context and from the word of God that we make application to our life. So help us tonight we pray in Jesus name and for His sake. Amen. Maybe seated. Psalm 92:10 talks about being anointed with fresh oil, fresh oil. There's sometimes in our lives we gotta stop and realize that we can't run on empty. The worst thing in the world, and I know this as you go through sickness, Brother Horton, and I know I've experienced myself, you sometimes feel empty. You feel like the energy's not there. And you've gone through many of you situations where you almost feel like you're running on empty. God don't want us to run on empty because we need to be emptied of ourselves and let the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God take control of our life. It's so important in our lives. He's with us every day, every hour, every minute, every week, every second of the the day. He said, I'll never leave you. No, never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you all the way. So he's there to help us. And sometimes we're almost like making a lot of noise because we're like maybe a BB in a boxcar makes you just rattling going down this road. And sometimes when you make the most noise is when you're probably not filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has a way of breaking you and bringing you to realization. The rejoicing may come after the victory's won, but sometimes in the process of getting to the victory, there's times when you don't rattle, even though we would rattle a while ago. There's times when you're just loaded down with the pressures of life and the burdens of life and the problems of life. And God wants to step in and give us X-ray strength to face the battles that we need to face. So running on empty is dangerous because it not only affects us, it affects those around us. And we become unproductive if we try to operate in the flesh. God forbid that we do that. And I realize it's so easy to fall into becoming weary and well-doing. He says, in due season you'll reap if you faint not. And sometimes the flesh has a way of overriding us if we're not careful. The one you yield yourself to... We all know that based on Romans 6, that gives us the victory. If you yield yourself to the flesh, the flesh will defeat you and fail you. If you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give us the victory in our life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all the things that are associated with Him. The songwriter put it well when he said, Give of the best to the Master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh glowing altar into the battle for truth. Jesus has set the example Dauntless will see, young and brave, give him your loyal devotion, give him the best that you have. Give of your best to the Master, give of the strength of your youth. Clad glad in salvation's full clad in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. And all of us need to give the very best we have to the Lord. Sometimes that's not easy. But we want to give what best we have, what we think sometimes is our worst. And I've gone through this battle in recent days. Thinking it, it doesn't come across right, I've got to leave that with God. My, I told my doctor today, nice doctor. I asked him about his relationship with the Lord. He's, he's from this area, just a wonderful black guy. And uh, he said, he said he went to UNC for a while to college. I said, you got to be a good guy. And then he says, stands about six foot four. He got to be a real good basketball player. And then he talked about his going to Wake Forest. And I said, oh my. And we chatted for a while about his Christianity, and uh, just the joy to have a, a doctor. But I told him sometimes psychologically, you fight battles when you get physically, and mentally, emotionally drained, and things don't come out like you think they should. And many of you have echoed that same truth to me about preacher sounds all right from your perspective, but sometimes when your mind don't work the way you used to work, you begin to wonder: Do you have a mind, or was your mind on vacation? And you've got to come back and realize that God gravitates toward weak things. He also gravitates toward strong things. The two worst points in your life, and my, if you take a chain, is the most weakest link or the strongest link. Because the devil's going to attack you at your weakest link to try to get the chain broken if he can break the power. But he's also going to attack your strongest point. So you say everybody's got a strong point and everybody got a weak point in your life and all between. Whatever your strongest point is, the devil is aware of what he needs to go after. It may be pride. It may be some sitting sin in your life that the devil has got a hold of your life. And he knows that. So he'll keep hitting you. And sometimes he'll hit you at your best spot. Just keep pounding and pounding. And then definitely the weakest spot. And the Lord allows him to do that. The Lord almost allows the devil to beat us up. And we talked about Apostle Paul a while ago. And I talked about him Sunday the portrait of the soul winner. In the New Testament, every city just about he went to, he ended up in trouble. He got beaten, he got left for dead, he was almost stoned to death. Uh, In Lystra, he was, and he'd get back up and go back and do the battle over and over again. He eventually ended up in Caesarea. He would eventually lose his head for the cause of Christ, history says. But yet he was always in the battle. And sometimes he said, All I wanna know is I wanna know him. With all the credentials that we have, with all the abilities we have, with all the power that we sometimes think we have, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down Amen. and take a hold of our lives. And we'd we be reminded that I need that so much in my life to be reminded. It is not about you, it's about him, it's not about how your ability. And God's got singers that can outsing anybody in this room. I mean He's got angels that can sing more beautiful than the best singers in this building tonight or anywhere in the world. He's got men and women who could speak distinctly and clearly better than anybody in the whole world. And many of those saints of God's already gone to heaven. And yet, God pulls up out of every generation folks who are unlikely. Some of the most unlikely leaders of the future are probably going to come from unusual situations where we think that God couldn't use them, but God can use anybody who makes himself available to God. And the greatest ability we have is availability. God can take nothing and make something out of it and take our lives and fill us with the breath of God. When he breathed on Adam, the breath of God, he became a living soul. When he breathes in us an extra power and anointing us with fresh oil, it's like a resurgence. It's just good to have, to know that you can still stay in the battle. Sometimes you feel weak, but when I am weak, then he is... Strong. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And sometimes at our lowest point, the devil wants to remind us that we can't do anything. And God wants to remind us what's most important and the priority of our life. So what is Martha, Martha's problem? What is her problem? Well, her and Mary were sisters. That should not have been a problem. They probably loved each other dearly and served together on many occasions, probably for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lazarus, Mary, Martha, it was a place that Jesus probably visited quite often. It was a place that he enjoyed visiting. And in this particular time in the coming to the city, uh, he began to talk with them about their life in a very special way. It seemed like there's two things bothering Martha. The two things that bother you and the two things that bother me. They keep us from having the freshness of God's Power upon our life. Number one, she was distracted. Number two, she was disturbed. Read it in the context. The Bible says, verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving. She was distracted. She came to him, to Jesus. Can you imagine her sort of rebuking the Lord? I mean, that's little, she had to know him pretty well. And and the more I read the Bible, sometimes I find them like Moses. Sometimes he rebuked the Lord. Sometimes great saints of God, I was reading a list of men today, how they was asking God for certain things, and God didn't answer the prayer. And they said, we claimed all the verses, we read the verses, we asked you, and you still didn't do it. What's wrong? And every one of them to a T finally got what they asked for, but they didn't get it the way they thought they were going to get it. He'd come in the back door. he come in the side door. he come in an event that they weren't expecting. And so many times, whether it be a financial need, whether it be a physical need, if it's going to be answered and God's going to answer the prayer, it doesn't always come the way I pray. And they say, Lord, this is what way it's got to be. Now, I'm praying. I'm asking you for this. And I, this is what I think you're going to do. And God probably smiles at my in immaturity probably smiles at my inability and says I got this do you think God's got this yes. preacher how many times have you said it probably since you've been sick and everybody in this room or going through severe trial God's got it he's got the whole world in the palm of his hand I like that little course. you got the little bitty baby in his hand he got the whole world in his hand he's got you and me brother in his hand He's got you and me, sister, in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. And that is an omnipotent, all powerful hand that can do anything, anytime, his whole so desires. And he's able, with his omniscient mind, uh, to bring things to pass. He knows exactly where I'm at, knows exactly who I am. He knows my name. He knows my address. He knows my phone number. He knows all about me. He knows who I'm married to. Miss Nancy back there, he knows her. Real good. By the way, her aunt passed away. She was ninety-six years of age. Miss Gladine and Nancy went over to see her hospice. And uh, Gladine was always good for cooking cakes. She always wanted to bring you a cake. So Nancy's down talking to her while she's dying. I want you to bring me a cake. I want you to bring me a cake. So they're gonna get some angel food to get to heaven. They'll be able to enjoy it together. But her aunt passed away. Precious lady. And her funeral's coming up on Sunday. But God knows my wife. He knows what makes her tick. He knows, my, he knows my life inside and out. He knows when I'm up. He knows when I'm down. And what's tough in a marriage sometimes, if you're not know, careful, one can be up the other can be down. Now, if they both get down at the same time, you may have trouble. But if you have one up, one down, sometimes when I'm at my worst, she's probably at her best. And when I'm at my best, she's at her bestest. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm going on with her tonight. Mary Martha, Martha was bowed down with the cares of life. Here's what the Bible says: Luke chapter 21, verse 14, verse 34. And take heed to yourself. Here's a warning: lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, surfeiting, that's not surfing, surfeiting, and drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unaware. The greatest battle we Christians have is the cares of life. They just come to everybody. And it's always been true, always will be true. And here's Martha. She's cumbered about with much serving. Now, there's nothing wrong with serving. As a matter of fact, thank God for Martha's. Thank God for those who can cook in the kitchen. Thank God for those who know how to make good fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and okra and squash know exactly how to make it just right. And Martha's over there doing that and there's Mary sitting over at the feet of Jesus just sitting there. And she's got nothing to do except waste time. And Martha was getting a little irritated. It's When you get irritated, and boy, have we all been there. It's a sign you're not being controlled with the Holy Spirit as you ought to be because you're trying to take charge back of your life. You're trying to control it. It's an irritation, frustration, all the uh, words that go with that but the Bible says the cares of life choke us out same way as the prayer of the soil and sometimes along the way in life if are not careful the cares of life will get a hold of us or the covetousness of riches 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 the Bible says charge them that are rich in this world charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy? The good Lord giveth. me. <coughs> the good Lord giveth. Say that with me. And how's the next verse? And the good Lord taketh away. We like it when He gives. Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <coughs> I like it when I can talk. <coughs> Sometimes the Lord makes you tickle when you can't talk. He must send the smallest thing to change your whole atmosphere very, very quickly. But the good Lord giveth, Job, the classic illustration, but the good Lord took it away. Never was there probably a richer man, more wealthier man than Job in the Bible. And he shewed evil, he loved God. <clears throat> and God took it all away. Everything he possessed was taken away. All of his animals, all of his goods, his ten kids were killed. Even to come down to his wife, turned her back on Job, what would you have done? You have ten caskets in front of you as a mother. Ten kids you birthed in this world. And for some reason, God has taken them out of this world. It's tough for her to say, from the emotional side point, don't be too critical of Mrs. Joe, And don't be too, too critical of Mrs. Martha, because sometimes the cares of life and the pressures of life get to you, and you say things you ought not to say. Here's Martha. <coughs> Wrapped up in the serving of the meal, she was all. <coughs> excuse me. She was all wrapped up in the serving, getting it just right for Jesus. I mean, the, the Lord Jesus. And she wanted to do the very best she could, and she was giving the best she thought to the Lord. And from a human standpoint, you got to come in, Martha. Uh, from a logical standpoint, it seemed like Martha was doing right. And Mary was maybe doing the wrong. Not that it was terrible, but it just didn't seem right. I mean, if you got a big meal coming out, and I'm not sure how many they were feeding, but especially they wanted to make sure the Lord had a good meal and worship and give the best to the Master. Make it the best meal, she, best, ca, best biscuits Jesus ever touched in his life was cooked by Martha. How do you know? I just suppose that Martha was a good cook. She was covered about with so much serving. And you got women in the church, and men in the church are great servers. And all over have some of that degree. But then there's times to serve, and there's times to sit. There's time to be up and about in the Father's business, and there's times to learn what he wants you to do in the business. He wants you to be quiet. One of the greatest verses in the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. So the rustle and hustle of life sometimes. Drown out our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's power, and we've well, got to be reminded, Lord, anoint my head with fresh oil. So she was distracted with the cares of life in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mark 4:19. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in choke in the world, and it becometh unfruitful. So whatever she was doing, it was not time to be doing it. And we know this story pretty well. She not only was distracted, she was disturbed. Don't you care? That's what she said to the Lord. And Martha was covered about with much serving, and came unto him the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve all alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Modern vernacular. You tell her to get off or can't get over here. I mean, I'm working myself to death. And here she's over sitting there just smiling. Having a... But every time you find Mary, she's usually sitting at the feet of Jesus. She had chosen the best part. And even though it was good to have the other, he's given the illustration about how in our life, we get so wrapped up in this world that the world gets wrapped up in us. We get so in, in, interested in making a living We forget what life is about. If we really say it honestly, if the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away, and everything that we have is taken away this week, how would we react? Now, Job wasn't always just a a, a wonderful Christian about the whole thing. I mean, time Job doubted. There was time Job wondered. I think Job went through the test of his life to help us to understand the test he went through to help us in our Christian life. But Job come through at the end real good but he went through some accusations by three men. If you have friends like Joseph, Job had, you don't need no enemies. Man, they gave him a rough time about who he was. And some of them, maybe, maybe it was true. Maybe part of it was true. But the fact that Job was going through all this trial, and what what really gets you in the trials of love, I don't understand why. Why do I have to go through all this while well, others seem to float through life on flurry beds of ease while well, it seemed like we fought through bloody seas. Why is it some have to fight more than others? Why is it some suffer more than others? Why is it some go through trials more than others? From our perspective, looking at others, they seem to have it made. I mean, their health is good, money in the bank, clothes on the back. Everything's going fine. Don't to children doing well. But then somewhere you've got to realize the day is coming for a man who was born a woman in a few days is full up. Trouble, trouble is going to come. Trouble magnifies God in our life. Trouble will help us to evaluate life properly. For when we lose the things that are most dear, precious to us, that really we think count, but you start losing the things that really count. And you can't lose your salvation. But boy, the devil gets you and give you a battle or two about it, about doubts and frustrations and aggravations, and why the good Lord is allowing you to go through. And I've had this said many times as people sometimes to a pastor. I don't understand why God is allowing me to go through this human statement. I go to church faithfully. I've been tithing. I've been serving the Lord all these years. And I just don't understand God. Coming off the mountains in Tennessee years ago, we was trying to adopt a little girl. And we lost her in a legal battle. Melinda was her name. Two years of age. The toughest battle my wife and I probably been through uh, in our marriage. At least one of the top, one of the biggest valleys. And I was by myself. I went to court in Tennessee to fight for custody. My wife was waiting to hear the results. And I prayed those prayers. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't understand why some can have babies and even abort them. Some can even mistreat them and abuse them. And all we're wanting is a child. Hard to understand sometimes. You look around at others, and sometimes you get a little envious of the other folks around you. You get a little, you get a little to the place where you say it's not fair. Now you may not say those words, but the devil bring them to your mind. It's not fair. I've served all I've served God all these years, and look what's happened. It reminds me of the old missionary and his wife who spent 50 years in Africa back before they had all the furlough times and coming back. And most of you have heard the story for 50 years. They labored and told, buried several kids on African soil. It was time to come home, and they were on the boat coming back to America from Africa. And on that same boat was Theodore Roosevelt, the President of the United States of America. And they were on the same ship. And finally it docked in New York Harbor, and out there was a band playing. And there was all kind of folks gathered around the the, the, the pier, waiting for folks to disembark from the boat. And so they moved the missionary and his wife back. Said, "Please get out of the way." The president of America, Mr. Theodore Roosevelt. Everybody, got out of the way. They walked past everybody. He come off the gangplank. Folks began to applaud. They began to play the song "Hail to the Chief." Welcome home, Mr. President. He'd been in Africa on a safari, hunting. He loved to go to Africa. Great hunting events. And he's he's now coming off the ship, coming back to America's soil with applause and applaudance and praise and adoration. After a while, that all stops. There stands the missionary and his wife, by themselves with no children, standing there weary and tired after all the battles they've been through. Enjoyed serving God on a foreign field, but now they're home. And the devil whispers to him, There's no ban for you. Nobody's applauding your arrival. And his wife said, it's hard to believe that God would do this to us. We served all these years and nobody seems to care. Nobody. And that's when the voice was on the inside. When the missionary heard these words in testimony. Son, you're not home yet. Well, That'll encourage you. Yeah. One day the angels are going to get out of the way. They'll be shouting and praising the Lord and rejoicing in heaven. There'll be a band strike up. Our names will be in neon lights. I'm not sure how it's going to be all together, but what a day that'll be when our Jesus we shall see. And we look upon His face, the one who's sated by His grace, what a day that will be. And so Martha was distracted. She was disturbed. The accusation of the, of the Lord... Seems that he was uncompassionate, that he didn't really care. Just remember, when it doesn't seem he cares, he really cares. When he seems he's a million miles away, remember he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. And when the shadows of life are coming, just remember, standing somewhere in the shadows, he's always there. He's always there. Either, he, either if he's not there, he lied. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will never leave you. I'll never, never forsake you. When it seems like I'm a million miles away, don't you believe the lies of the devil? You believe what God says. And remember, Christian people do not live on explanations, right. you live on the promises of God. Amen. And those explanations sometimes get really weak. I can't, what I had to learn and learning, and maybe it's a better way to put it i' got several books in my library, which additional to the the Bible, but the Bible is the best textbook but I' got a book and it's titled he 's God and you 're not and the author goes through a whole series of events remember he 's God you 're not, and when you come to the conclusion, no matter what he lets happen, no matter how many diseases hits your body, no matter how many deaths you have in your family, no matter how many times your house burns, no matter how many times you suffer, and you think it's terrible in life even you. A bad rap, remember the Lord's ways is always right. And so the greatest servants I ever read about in the Bible suffered. You say, well, I want to have one of them kind of lives where you don't have to suffer. Well, just go to heaven. And one of those days you'll rest down by the riverside to study war no more. Thank God for that truth. So here it is. She was troubled about many things. She was overwhelmed. She was exhausted. And to some degree, we're an exhausted society. We're rushing here and there to and fro uh, trying to find solace in our life we get so busy sometimes you wish for uh, the I was reading it once and it was at the doctor Day I was waiting on him to come in and you have the phone and I was just looking at the phone it said it said do you know where all the Andy Griffith stars are at all the people playing Andy Griffith and I thought that'd be interesting so we went one by one where all those are at whether they were still living or dead, and told about the kind of life they lived. It was pretty rough. He gave details about every character some of the things they did that we, we would call sinful in their, in their normal lifestyle. But you watch Andy Griffith, you think it's just peace and tranquility. A few little problems, little bumps in the roads. They had all kinds of internal problems in the Andy Griffith characters, and some of them really had some suffering that they went through, and some of them were very wicked in some of the things they did. I got tired of reading because he was really punching a hole in my old Barney, making him look bad Barney's from West Virginia he can't be all bad but the fact is life is full of sorrow trouble and heartaches and, and, I, and I say that repeatedly and I'm just about through But repetitively we say it but I don't know whether we believe it sometimes it's got to get from here to here when you get to there, you'll trust him no matter what. And sometimes that's not, it's difficult. So anyhow, it was sort of refreshing just to read some characters that I thought maybe had pretty good lives. And then the next question you can ask Google, how much did they leave behind? You ever do that? How much were they worth? When John Wayne died, how much was John Wayne worth? When all these characters we've seen on television, how much money did they leave behind? And many of them were multimillionaires, and some were not. One way we wonder what they left behind. Because we're going to wonder, I'll tell you what you're going to leave behind. You're going to leave it all. And when I die, when you get it through, go ahead and make your will now and get done get out of the way. Then your sound mind, you spin it all. What are you going to do? Or you better make your will so it'll be effective. All of us are going to leave everything we have behind. You can't take it with you. Let me give you just a couple of illustrations I'll be through. What are the signs of Martha's problem? Well, all of these are a sermon in themselves if we took the time. Resentment. Everyone and everything she resented that day, she resented the people in the room. She even resented the Lord Jesus for a little while. She wouldn't say that, and she'd probably be a tough testimony. But we've been there, as I said a while ago. Everything seemed to be going backwards. Number two, she was easily, easily irritated. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but we make everything a big deal. And we sometimes get so frustrated with life. Calculating without God is what the definition they say of frustration. We make things complicated. I'm guilty of that. You, you, anybody ever said to you, you've got a scattered brain? Has anybody ever said to you, you've got a scattered brain? Has anybody ever said to you, you've got a scattered brain? don't be so scattered brain. Don't say that to anybody because your day's coming. It's easy to tell somebody else about it until it's you. You overspend trying to make yourself feel good. If you study psychology and sociology, a lot of folks will go out and buy something they can't afford. Uh, I won't talk about my friend who came to see me. Just bought a new Corvette several years ago. Forty years of age, He was. He called me said, James, and headed to Moorhead City. Can I come by and spend the night with you? And I said, oh, yeah, great. Him and I were just like that. His daddy was a preacher. My daddy was a preacher. His was Church of God. I was Baptist. And we grew up together, graduated together. But he called me. He says he's been a force ranger in West Virginia for years. He said, I'm the most miserable guy on the face of the earth. He said, i got to talk to you. And so he did. He said, I need that Corvette like I need a hole in the head. And he says, I'm going down there and fish. I don't even like to fish. i got to get away. i got to hit my... It's me up a wall. Anyhow, we, we talked for quite a while about spiritual things. But the fact is, somewhere along the way, you'll face situations where you may do things, make decisions that you ought not to make. You can escape reality through movies, through magazines, and through books. And a lot of folks do that. They try to drown their trouble. And a lot of folks sit at a bar trying to drown their troubles. One more drink, and after a while they get drunk. Set them up for everybody. They're drowning. Everybody likes me. Everybody loves me. Until the money runs out. And after a while you become over impressed with yourself. You become critical of everyone around you. What was the cure for Martha's problem? i give it to you them through. She realized she had a problem. When she becomes the Lord Jesus Christ, the responsibility she had to take full account for her own problem. She was responsible. It wasn't Mary's fault. Mary was doing what she believed she ought to do. And I think when she got through with the lesson the Lord was teaching her, they probably all, the Lord probably went to the stove with them, Mary on one side, and Martha on the other, as they finished up making the meal. And the Lord maybe, Stood right in the middle of them and said, Isn't this wonderful? Martha, do you love Mary? And Mary says, Martha says, I love her. Mary, do you love Martha? Oh, I love her. But the great lover of all stood between the two. And when the great lover brought them together after the illustration of running of being rebuked, Martha, Martha. I don't think he was unkind in saying that. I think he was very kind. Now sometimes when our parents said it, James, James, or Martha, Martha. Sometimes we're repeating her name when you I guys I in trouble. When, especially if you use your middle name, James, Marvin, Pauly come in here. Never use Marvin except when I was in trouble. But when she said Marvin, things picked up. But the Lord could say James, James. Listen, put yourself in the, in, in the in the illustration. Martha, Martha. James James. You're no better than she was. You can face the same problem she did. Thank God for the lesson the Lord is trying to teach us. It's better to sit at the feet of Jesus for a while and have the anointing of God upon your life and face the future than to face the future in an empty container. And the wick is flickering and the oil is subsiding. We need fresh oil. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Would you pray for me? I'll pray for you.